as much as we treasure our traditional values like family, friends, relationship and loyalty, that can be a barrier or stumbling block for a lot of people coming to faith. Hello and welcome back to the Survey Asia podcast and the new Discover series. Today we're learning about a gem of a country in Southeast Asia, home to 15 million people and the World Heritage Site of Angkor Wat. It's unique for having the only river in the world that changes flow during the year, the Tonle Sap, and it has the only national flag which features a building. It is, of course, Cambodia. And today to learn all about Cambodia and how we can share the good news of Jesus with Cambodian people, we have Susanna. Thank you for joining us, Susanna. How are you today? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, Freddie. Good, good. Let's get to know Susanna a bit as our student for this episode. Why don't you tell us what you do and where you're from? I live in Rochester in Kent in the southeast of England, and I'm a part-time primary school teacher. Wonderful, wonderful. And how have you been involved in the past in cross-cultural ministry, sharing the good news of Jesus with people from perhaps a different cultural background? Well, ever since I was a teenager, I went on a gap year and visited Africa and spent some time with two missionary families. So that was probably my first individual experience of cross-cultural mission. And that's when my love of mission uh, was ignited. And then I went on to be a student and was involved in missions work while at university. That's when I first came across OMS. But then I got married and uh, I've been living in England. I am now at my church. I'm missions coordinator. And two years ago, oh, I visited some churches in France with my church as like a quick weekend mission thing. And two years ago, I went on a third Asia trip to Japan with OMS. That's wonderful. Yeah. Long history of serving in missions. Great. And Susanna, finally, what is your favourite food? I think I'll have to say chocolate. Chocolate. (laughs) I've I've eaten so much of it recently. (laughs) I think we all have with lockdown and uh, and Christmas uh, just past. Yeah. Great. Well, today we're here to learn all about Cambodia. So, Susanna, why are you interested in learning about Cambodia? Um, Well, back to my student days again. When I was a student, there was a book that everybody was reading called Killing Fields, Living Fields. And it was a book that all Christians were supposed to read. But I never read it because I was worried it might be really horrific and upsetting. Um, So I guess it's to redress the balance of that today. Um, I feel like I should find out about Christians in Cambodia. (laughs) Okay, catch up with your with your Christian (laughs) peers. That's a good reason. That's a good reason. I know very little about Cambodia, so that's the reason that I'm interested in learning about it. It's a country yeah, that me. is kind of mysterious to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I know there was an awful time in the past to do with the Khmer Rouge and Pol Pot, and I think that's the Killing Fields bit, but I don't really know. Um, yeah, I think that's a lot of people's impression of Cambodia in the West. And yeah, I'm sure the country, as we'll find out, is a lot richer, a lot more diverse, has a lot more about it than, than that tragic recent past. So, yeah, let's see what our teacher for this episode has to say. So today we're joined by Ho, who's going to teach us all about Cambodia. 
Uh, we're excited to hear what you have to say, Ho. Before we get going, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do? Hello to everyone who are listening to this podcast program. And thank you to OMF, uh, especially to Frederick for hosting me today. And I really appreciate that. Yes, my name is Wat Ho Mias. And normally people call me Ho uh, for short. And I grew up in Cambodia. And um, yeah, uh, then I spent about 13 years in Japan serving the Lord uh, with OMF uh, there. And recently we just came back. Um, now we are based in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Yeah, I certainly hear a mixture of accents in your voice. You certainly have a really interesting background. Yes, um, yeah, credit to my wife. Uh, so you can tell um, the fact that I'm married to a Northern Irish uh, lady. So uh, yes, my wife, she's from Northern Ireland. And uh, yes, um, pick up a bit of a twang and accents. And yeah, we have two sons, uh, Joseph and Yoshia. Joseph uh, is 11 and Yoshia is five. Both of them were born in Japan. So um, yeah, but now we are based in Belfast. Great. And what do you do in Belfast? Um, we thought that we were uh, going back to Japan uh, before the lockdown, before the pandemic. But uh, uh, things has changed and we were not able to return to Japan uh, with the lockdown and with the entry bans from Japan and uh, uh, combined with the number of things with our family. Um, so we um, decided to remain here and to serve uh, from Belfast. So we are now with a OMF field called a Diaspora and Returning Ministry. So we are uh, part of this global team and serving uh, team members across the globe based in 18 different countries and seeking to reach out to uh, East Asian people living in Belfast and, and Ireland. So, yeah, that will be our job, um, both global and local, um, uh, serving uh, missionaries as well as reaching out and discipling uh, East Asian uh, people. That's wonderful. So you've been on quite a, a journey this year. So now let's dive into learning all about Cambodia. You clearly have a heart for Japan and Japanese people, but your roots are Cambodian. So that makes you the ideal person to tell us all about uh, the country. So to start off, uh, Ho, what should Christians, perhaps outsiders, Westerners like myself, know about Cambodian history? So Cambodia has such a long history. A lot of people probably associate Cambodia with uh, the recent history, but actually, if we take time properly to look at it, we have a uh, uh, very, very long and ancient history, uh, go back to uh, thousands of, of years ago. And yeah, um, we used to be known as Khmer Empire, uh, although uh, obviously it had fallen, and so we became a smaller nation now um, <clears throat> compared to what we used to be. Uh, so, yes, we had um, a long history in terms of religions and cultures and people. So we exist before Siam people, which is later known as Thai, uh, now as country of Thailand. So we exist before them. So it's interesting to see the uh, the connections that we have uh, as as people, not just as uh, Cambodia as a nation. Yeah. So you mentioned Cambodia's recent history. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more. What What should... Christians be aware of in the recent Cambodian history uh, when we're looking to share God's love uh, with Cambodians? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, suppose maybe it's always boiled down to the 
the disobedience of man and the consequence of sins and that we had a lot of rebellions and wars among ourselves and the 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 nations the empire one was known as the Khmer empire uh, became smaller and smaller because of internal conflict and uh, the power uh, struggles uh, among the uh, royal families and peoples in power and that's connected to the recent history and uh, when um uh, Cambodia, uh, well, Cambodia was under uh, French colony for about 100 years. And after we received independence in 1953, um, we had a, a period of a, a golden era uh, back in the 60s, late 50s and 60s. Cambodia was prosperous and was uh, uh, peaceful. And yes, people, especially the older generations, remember those good old days and that Cambodia was um, under... Uh, peace and prosperity but uh things changed when the the spillover of the vietnam war um in uh the 70s uh the war that uh, spread to cambodia and then you see the rise of the communism uh in in the region and so we saw the conflict between the american and the communist people so um the fall of south vietnam uh, which was uh, supported by the the U.S. Um, then uh, led to the fall of Phnom Penh in 1975, and Cambodia was captured by the Khmer Rouge, and and the Pol Pot uh, regime was installed and uh, ruled the nations for just a little over four four years, and as a result, um, yeah, people were were killed and, and died uh, of starvation, of forced labor and uh, execution. So um, that uh, the, uh, the dark period of our history, and that's a lot of people probably associate Cambodia to the most uh, because of the killing field. And um, yeah, as a result, uh, there are still uh, a lot of pains and sufferings in, in people who uh, went through there uh, emotionally and mentally, psychologically, yeah. Yeah, that's is such a dark part of of history in general. And as Christians, it's it's really important that we're aware of this because this still has lived experience in in people's memories. Um, and uh, for a lot of people, there'll be scarring memories. People might even remember the fifties and sixties and the prosperous time, the golden age of Cambodia, um, and then being hit by such a, a big tragedy uh, must be really hard. So yeah, we, we need to be mindful of this. We need to be prepared uh, to act gently uh, and be empathetic when talking about Cambodia's past. Yeah, certainly. Um, I appreciate you um, mentioning that. Um, yeah, and the, the sad thing is that a lot of younger people don't seem to understand our history very well. So as much as we want people from outside Cambodia to know our history, and it's important for our younger generations to know our history, both good times and bad times, and that is part of who we are. And 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 we, as we relate the people who are coming into our nations, we're able to understand each other and able to share what we've been through, and also learn from people from the outside as well. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure as Cambodians, you have a lot to teach us as well uh, about resilience, going through adversity, strength in community, those kind of things. And it's important that it's not just one-sided. It is, yes. So yeah, there really has been a dramatic recent past which has shaped Cambodia as, as a country. And I wonder, uh, Ho, if you could tell us a bit more about 
what traditional Cambodian values are and what it means to be Cambodian, a little bit about Cambodian identity. Certainly for Cambodian people, uh, we value family and friends and uh, relationship and loyalty, um, which sound may sound strange to uh, a lot of people. But in Cambodia, as well as in Asia, we will find um, that those uh, factors uh, are important uh, for, for for our values and um, and certainly uh, that we will share later and that has it pros and cons because uh, compared to the Western values, you uh, individualism and when children are 18 years old, um, you're expected to be independent. Although Cambodia is changing as well, but uh, we still feel part of the big family and and friends and the community. And uh, which I grew up uh, in a big family. So I have my, my own families. I have my uh, grandparents live uh, beside beside us, and I have my aunts and my cousins, and then I have the neighbors, um, and then my uh, distant relatives. So it's like a little village uh, ground. So we had all these extended families and friends. So it can be a culture shock for people from outside to see why we are so close to each other. Um, so for me, when I talk about family, it just it goes beyond my own immediate family. So um, that the value that's still uh, uh, treasured by a lot of people uh, in Cambodia and loyalty, uh, loyalty to our family uh, in our friendship and our nation. So we can see that uh, deeply rooted in both uh, social systems and political system, especially once you have that relationship formed and you have that loyalty. And it's difficult if you broke loyalty, it, it will be very difficult uh, to restart it. And uh, you may be outcast, you may, for political situa- uh, terms, you may be uh, accused as being traitors because you broke your loyalty. So um, we must understand how that play in our values from both family and uh, society. So yes, um, so um, for me, when I first learned English, uh, the word honesty, it seemed to be important for a lot of uh, Western people. But for, uh, for us, Cambodian loyalty, and when we talk about, we, we thought honesty and loyalty the same, but actually, uh, as I understood now, it's, it's two different terms and two different meanings. So we value uh, uh, loyalty, but uh, maybe for uh, people from the West, maybe honesty is more important. Ah, oh, that's that's very interesting. It's very distinctive from the perhaps individualistic Western worldview. I, I absolutely love that sense of family uh, and close knit community. That seems like a really beautiful picture of society to me. Oh, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about diversity in Cambodia. Is there perhaps a difference between urban and rural communities? What's the what's the mixture of ethnicities like? Just tell us a little bit about the diversity, please. Yes, uh, in Cambodia, we probably has a strong monoculture, although um, we have a mixture of uh, Chinese blood, you know, in, in, in our Cambodian uh, population. So um, like uh, for me, I had a mixture of uh, Cambodian and Chinese blood. My great, great grandfather came from China. So we, we, we see... Um, that kind of uh, mixed uh, blood Cambodian people between Cambodia and Chinese people. And uh, then we see a small minority group like Vietnamese people and uh, Thai and Laos people live in 
uh, other parts of uh, Cambodia because we border with Thailand and Laos and Vietnam. So we have those three uh, ethnic groups uh, live with us. And then we have a tribal people live in, uh, in the northeastern uh, part of, of uh, Cambodia, uh, more in the mountainous area. But uh, by and large, we are more monoculture and Khmer people, Khmer ethnic group, um, that we are the, the, the major, the, the dominant uh, population, uh, probably over 90%. Yeah. So um, we're not really like a multiracial, like um, other countries like Singapore, for example. Um, uh, so we, we are uh, very different in that aspect. But we still speak one language. Khmer language is our national language. So, so um, compared to Singapore, we like national language of four different languages, and so we speak Khmer. That's our national language. Although now, in because of um, because of our country, we are uh, developing and 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 trying to catch up with the rest of the world and encourage young people to learn English and other foreign languages as well, such as Chinese, uh, Japanese and French, uh, so that we can, uh, you know, get a better job and able to interact with people in the outside world. Yeah. So it's almost as if that sense of community that you were talking about earlier extends to the whole country uh, with the majority people, national language. Uh, you almost get that sense of uh, people being loyal to Cambodia itself. Yes. So moving on, I feel like what we've learned about Cambodian history uh, and values, which are quite distinctive, that as an outsider, I might make mistakes, perhaps even be disrespectful in some of the things I say uh, and some of the actions I do, even if uh, I don't necessarily mean it. And especially as a Christian, I want to avoid these things so I can give a good witness to Cambodian people. So I wonder, Ho, if you could tell us what, uh, in your experience, are some of the common cultural mistakes that people make so that we can learn to avoid them. Thank, thank you for raising that question. But before answering your questions, and I hope our um, foreign friends not offended, um, especially our Caucasian friends uh, coming to Cambodia, because of our history, uh, we were under French colony for uh, nearly 100 years um, so all white people are known as French to Cambodian eyes <laughs> so we use the word barang barang means uh, everything big or foreign or, or the French uh, the words for French so um, uh, I could be French I quite like the idea of being French yes <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So all white people are French in Cambodia. Uh, so um, especially when you go to the countryside, um, it's a bit like in Japan, all white people are American because of the American influence. So um, so don't be surprised when they call you Barang or um, or French, uh, but not necessarily uh, they're trying to be offensive, but it's the word that uh, pretty much uh, can mean anything, uh, especially when you're non-Cambodian, yeah, white people. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so that can be offensive to uh, some foreign friends from uh, our mistake, but they um, the things to be avoided when you go to Cambodia. Um, yeah, we are a culture that we don't shake hand. Of course, uh, once you get to know people and close friends and close in age, we shake hand. But uh, especially when you greet people who are older than you and people, especially opposite sex, like uh, male, female. Uh, relationship so you don't uh, you don't shake hand with uh, with a female friend or shake hand with the people older so you you put your hand together and sort of a bow slight bow yeah and, and show modesty and 
yeah, when talk about modesty, uh, especially uh, in terms of uh, dress code, um, I know people are very free here, and Cambodia is a very hot country. So just uh, keep your dress modest, and especially for female. So uh, that can be a bit uh, offensive uh, to some people in Cambodia. Yeah, so just keep modest. Um, then uh, I think something that's really offensive to a lot of Cambodian people, don't touch the head. Um, even though you're very close to them and friends, um, but if you get permission, is that uh, other people's heads or your own head? Yeah, other people's head. Don't other people's head. Yeah, um, if you're very close friends, probably okay. Uh, but still, uh, you have to be aware that um, people don't like being touched the head. Uh, this feel very insulting um, if you put your hand on their head, and touch them, and certainly if people older than you would be, yeah, very very offensive things to do mm. and also uh take off your hat uh when you're in a public building like library or temple or church or uh in people's house uh yeah, as soon as you you know see people especially when you greet people who are older than you take off your hat right away and bow and yeah so so that's uh, also uh, the no-no things uh, in cambodia now we are in uh digital world and social medias uh, takes over and you know people like taking pictures things probably has changed a bit in Cambodia but still in uh, people's mind uh, taking picture without permission as well offensive as well so so if you want to take a picture with people make sure that you know ask them uh, if you got permission so a lot of people may not like you to have uh, to, to take picture with them you know without permission so so those are some of the things that just to be um, mindful of and uh, normally people are very friendly and especially to foreigners and they're very excited and they want to practice the English and they want to make friends and yeah um, and people smile a lot and laugh a lot and, and uh, yeah and cried a lot <laughs> so um, on one hand yes uh, it's really easy and going kind of um, people and um, culture yeah we don't really uh, not we're not very strict to time and so please don't feel offended and if you make appointment with uh, Cambodian friends and turn up late and and uh, so time really doesn't really uh, dictate people's life and people sort of dictate time and you <laughs> eat at five o'clock so they may turn up at six o'clock so you may get frustrated so um yeah so that kind of things that uh, we are very laid back kind of uh, people yeah, it's it's great to hear how easygoing and friendly Cambodian people are. But also it's good to hear how there are a number of really practical things that we can do to help us to build relationships with Cambodian people. Um, and these may seem small to us, but they speak volumes to, to people in the country. Um, and as Christians, if we follow these rules and we're good at following these rules, that can be a really distinctive witness as we seek to uh, share God's love with Cambodians. We can do that by being respectful uh, and following these guidelines. Yes, that's right. Um, I think that's important for for both for Cambodian people and non-Cambodian people, especially um, people from the West, because particularly people from Cambodia or from the East uh, view uh, Western people, especially white people, associated like a Hollywood uh, world. So that's a culture that people grew up. There's misperceptions from uh, our side, you know, see that all white people, they are very liberal, very open, very like a Hollywood uh, movie. And so I, th I think that's something for us to to show the distinctions and the difference uh, that especially 
we are Christian, we are different, we're not grew up in the Hollywood culture, <laughs> and we are different from that, and we're not immoral, we're not liberal, and so we follow God's standard. And I think that uh, that will be a good surprise for um, Cambodian people to, to discover that, oh, actually, you don't live the lifestyle of Hollywood people, and you don't show immodesty or liberal kind of uh, behavior and that kind of thing. So, so that's... Um, that is a good uh, advantage for a uh, Christian who come to Cambodia and show the different value and standard according to the Bible. Yeah, that's that's really important to know. So uh, I wonder now if we could talk about Christianity in Cambodia. Could you please tell us about uh, the current state of the Cambodian church and perhaps mention any barriers people might have to becoming Christian? For uh, Christian faith, we have shorter histories compared to um, Hinduism and Buddhism uh, that came uh, way, way earlier uh, to Cambodia uh, from India. So Hindu religion came first to Cambodia uh, thousands of years ago, and then Buddhist religion. And for Christian faith, I think uh, through a, a Catholic priest in uh, about 1655, a, um, the Portuguese uh, priest came to Cambodia and brought the uh, Christian faith for the first time. And then um, a uh, evangelical Christian uh, missionary came to Cambodia for the first time in 1923. So we had a, a less hundred year uh, history of uh, evangelical Christian belief um, and the church started to grow since then. And although uh, we um, had a period of uh, the killing field in the 70s, um, for about five years and then civil war um, and so a period of uh, nearly 20 years of war so Christians were persecuted and uh, we were underground then uh, since the early 90s uh, the country reopened again to the world and a lot of uh, missionaries were allowed to come to Cambodia and come back to Cambodia um, so um, a lot of new churches uh, being planted and uh, people came to faith. Like myself, I came to faith back in 1998 uh, through missionaries from the Philippines. So uh, we see the work among students, university students, work among uh, farmers in the far-flung areas of Cambodia, like Food for the Hungry International Organization came to Cambodia to reach out to um farmers, to poor people, to children in the countryside, as well as the Campus Crusade for Christ, um, uh, reaching out to uh, university students in the city. And then we had OMF uh, missionaries uh, came first in 1974 and then came back again uh, as a result of the country reopening to the world in the early 90s. So we see the number of uh, Christian people coming to uh, believe in the Christian faith and being baptized are growing numerically. So um, so we have more freedom. We've been given by the government uh, freedom to choose whatever religion we believe. But at the same time, you know, all sorts of uh, other religions came in as well, like uh, Christian cult groups and so on and so forth. So um, as a young uh, Christian in Cambodia, so we uh, a lot of Christians need to be uh, educated, need to be trained, uh, and and especially from the Bible to understand uh, the truth uh, in God and what it means to follow Christ. Yeah, evangelism. We see uh, people respond to evangelism, but at the same time, 
the uh, discipleship uh, for people to to grow in faith uh, still needed for for um, Cambodian churches, and we are still young Christian in a sense, uh, you know. Um, but it's encouraging to see that a lot of people coming to follow Christ, and we see a new generations of uh, Christian believers, and uh, we uh, been able to access the more resources, um, although. Um, still limited in, in the sense that we don't have a lot of resources written by Cambodian theologian or uh, or translated into Cambodian language. So we need good resources that was written by uh, Cambodian believers as, well, as much as learning from uh, non-Cambodian um, uh, theologians or writers. In terms of a barrier for people coming to faith, uh, as I said uh, earlier, as much as we treasure our traditional values like family, friends, uh, relationship and loyalty, that can be a, a barrier or stumbling block for a lot of people coming to faith because um, uh, strong objections from family uh, and being critical by friends, you know, um, sometimes persecuted. Uh, so that can put people off and coming to faith and to commit it in following Christ. So um, I have uh, seen and I have uh, had some friends who came to church and came to faith uh, for a while, sort of grow in faith. But then suddenly the strong objections from the family and family pressure, because a lot of us uh, young people still uh, financially depending on our families uh, to support us in our study so like yeah they're threatening to cut off their financial support or you know take you out of the home and things like that so so can be a uh, very um difficult for a lot of uh cambodian people to come to faith because of that pressure from the family from friends and you in other sense people see it as a you break away from the loyalty to your community and friends. So it's important that uh, as Christians, we we understand that we are not individually believing in Christ or following Christ, but we are part of the new community as well, so that we we may be viewed as a breakaway from loyalty, uh, loyalty from, from friends or families or culture, but um, we belong to a new community of believers and that we, we have new friends, new relationship and friendship, and so that, um, that we have a, a new community there to support and to embrace and to love those believers who are struggling, and especially when they feel cut off from their own community or family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in our evangelism, making community an important part of that can go a long way in um, sharing God's love with Cambodians. Um, we can invite them into God's community and show them that community is at the heart of our faith in Jesus. It is. Um, and it's super encouraging to hear that there's lots of opportunities to share Christianity with Cambodian people, uh, with the church in the country being relatively young and it growing and people clearly eager to hear the good news there is a great opportunity and a great attractions uh, in terms of uh, sharing and presenting the good news of jesus and especially um, people misunderstood uh, christian faith uh, when we uh, present a christian faith or christianity to uh, people and they view it as a western religion and culture and nothing related to you but actually 
when people began to realize that there is a great love in that because God loves us and God embraces us and we belong to God and Christian faith doesn't belong to a particular nation or culture, but uh, God loves us all. And uh, I think that for me personally, the point of uh, attraction to Christian faith was to see the love being demonstrated by missionaries, by Christians. And that surprised a lot of people because people thought, wow, uh, I thought that was just a foreign thing, you know, but uh, when they see love and actions through sharing the gospel as well as um, meeting people practically and and helping each other and see that witness of, of Christian uh, believers in church, and that's really changed the mindsets and misunderstanding among Cambodian people. And so um, that people will be able to, to make it as their own, you know, and say, oh, yeah, that actually... It is part of our culture too. It is uh, part of our history as well. You know, it is it is the God who loves us, and it's um, it's God for all of us. You know, and it's not just a, a Western God or foreign God. So um, I think people need to see that and need to understand and be cleared from their misunderstanding of uh, viewing Jesus as a Westerner or Western God. And we have that job when we present the gospel that that actually Christ is for all. And he loves us all. Yeah, absolutely. God loves all people. Um, And it's really important that we communicate that when we present the gospel. So before we finish, Ho, I want to ask you if you could share with us what the greatest needs of Cambodia are at the moment um, and how we can be praying for Cambodia as a country uh, and for Cambodian people. Thank you um, for asking these questions and be appreciate that and certainly Cambodia needs a lot of prayers and uh, the Lord has heard um, prayers of people for Cambodia in the past and he answered and uh, we believe that the Lord loved this nation so much and he um, has a wonderful plan for the people of Cambodia and the nation of Cambodia and particularly the younger generations as they grew up and we uh, don't know much about our own history and our own identity we need to to be confident in who we are as Cambodian and who we are as Christian followers and Christ followers. And for a nation, we're still um, developing, we're still growing. So uh, we are so easily uh, influenced by foreign cultures and especially among young people. Pray that uh, we will be wise in taking in what's good and what's not good to form part of who we are as, as a people. Also, uh, for Cambodian churches, pray as we see churches are growing in numbers, but the teaching that need to be sound and people need to understand the Bible properly. And that partly affected by people's ability to read and to write as well, especially those who growing up in the countryside and didn't have opportunity to have a higher education. So um, we need a good discipleship program. We need a good uh, Bible teaching uh, for people to really uh, understand the Bible fully and to be able to follow God uh, obediently and faithfully and because um, uh, there are a lot of uh, false teachings coming in to Cambodia as well. So uh, pray that Christians, believers will be protected and church will be protected. But pray that we will be a nation that in the future, if you dare to dream big, that We'll send out missionaries, you know, we'll send out missionaries and say we may be as small as Gideon, but pray that the Lord will raise us up like Gideon, uh, that we can be used um, to to minister 
to people of other nations, uh, both inside Cambodia and outside Cambodia. We can be a ascending countries uh, in terms of seeing many more missionaries or Christian workers, not only on the receiving end, but giving end as well. Yeah, what a what a glorious vision to have. And wouldn't, wouldn't it be wonderful to see Cambodian Christians acting as ambassadors for Christ throughout the world? Thank you. Yeah, and we have a great God who, who can make that happen. Yes, so it requires our faith and obedience to him. Absolutely. Thank you very much for giving this opportunity to share about Cambodia and Christian faith there. And so uh, may the Lord bless whoever listening to this uh, podcast program and may the Lord uh, use all of you and bless you. Yeah, thank you so much. So now we're back with Susanna, our student who has been interested in learning all about Cambodia. And Ho, I think, shared some really insightful things with us. I certainly learned a lot from what he had to say. And let's just dive straight into it. What, what, what kind of stood out to you from what Ho was talking about, Susanna? Um, well, thank you to Ho. He was brilliant. Uh, great to hear from him. I think the thing that probably shocked me the most was how young the church in Cambodia is. So that um, he said that evangelical Christians only arrived there in 1923 which is less than 100 years ago. And you kind of think of Christianity as being a 2,000-year-old faith, but actually not for Cambodians. That, that really struck me. And then how much he was saying that because they're a young church, they don't have kind of indigenous theologians and they really need good Bible teaching and like mature Christians, really. Absolutely. 100 years old is, is not very old at all in kind of the history of Christianity. We we take it for granted that in this country we have a long history of religion and our government, um, our schools, almost everything is seeped in religion. Even if it isn't so religious today, we have a history of Christianity and people know Jesus' name. So imagine growing up in a country where people don't know Jesus. That is striking. But also, I think a great opportunity as the church is growing and maturing uh, and learning People will respond to the gospel with hunger and thirst like they did, I think, in the days of Acts and, and the Apostles. And yeah, there's, there's a wonderful opportunity there to see many Cambodian people come to know Christ. Did anything else stand out for you, Susanna? Oh, there were a few things. Um, one was how community loyalty is so important and how the church has to learn to show that they are a community too and then that loyalty almost can be transferred if people are rejected from their family and friends. Uh, that was obviously really important to Cambodians. Yeah, really interesting how that kind of feature of loyalty and honesty, kind of the same word for him and kind of runs deep uh, in society. Obviously, you have the familial loyalty and loyalty to your community, but because Cambodia, almost the majority of people are Khmer, that loyalty almost extends to the whole nation. So if you're seen as different, which I suppose Christians are because they've only been there for 100 years, breaking that loyalty can be a big thing for Cambodian. So, yeah, as, as you said, I think you're absolutely right. We need to be welcoming them into a new community as part of our, our efforts to uh, show them God's love. What did you also make of the kind of practical advice uh, for Christians who go to Cambodia, uh, such as kind of, knowing not to shake hands or touch people's heads or just to dress modestly? 
Yeah, I mean, it's so useful if you were to go to Cambodia to know those things. And um, some of them reminded me of my time in Japan. So things like, you know, greeting each other with a bow. And then there were other things that I thought Japanese people would be horrified by, like they're very relaxed with time. And when you go to Japan, everything runs exactly on time. <laughs> so, um, you know, you can see similarities. So the relaxedness is really like African culture. And then the, the bowing and the politeness, the thing with the hats also is a, you know, a politeness. And the respect for your elders, that kind of thing, reminds me of Japan. And then, but there's other things that are very different. So I suppose that idea that if you've been to other cultures, you have an awareness that there will be different cultural norms, but you can't just say, oh, they're the same as that culture or that culture. There's, you know, take Cambodians for themselves and learn about that culture before you go so you don't make silly mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we're, if we're serious about, wanting Cambodians to come to know Jesus, there are things that we can learn and put into practice that will go a long way in showing that we're different from other outsiders, different from, what was the word, barang, I think, uh, for the calling it all other yeah, people French. French. That, that made me yeah. laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> some British and American people would not like to be called French. Um, yeah, and that idea that um, Westerners are immoral because they're like people in Hollywood films as well, I think. That's quite common in the Middle East as well, isn't it, in North Africa? And then, you know, how Christians, it's really important that they are considerate of modesty and those things to, to show God's love. Really. Yeah, absolutely. So it's great that we we seem to have learned a lot from what Ho has said to us, but how might that change the way, Susanna, that you pray for Cambodia or interact with Cambodians you might come across in your in your day-to-day life? Um, well, it's given me a taste to learn more, I think. So if I met someone from Cambodia, I'd, I'd have lots of questions to ask them, but hopefully they would be uh, more sensible questions because I've learned a little bit now. And praying, I mean, so much more intentional. Ho had loads of things that we could pray for, didn't he? But that um, idea of the, being a relatively young church and praying for that depth of insight and maturity and also for strong Cambodian leaders and theologians, so that they can have sort of indigenous Christianity. Yeah. 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 It's so wonderful that you want to carry on learning because that's exactly what we want to inspire with these kind of episodes is showing people that when you learn about the culture, that's a great way to become passionate about it. And you see the value in learning. Yeah. You understand the people group better. You understand how you might be friends with them better. Um, and ultimately uh, we can have a better idea of how they might, come to know Jesus. Thank you, Susanna. Um, it's been wonderful to chat to you and to learn about Cambodia with you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks again to Wat Ho for teaching us all about Cambodia. If you'd like to continue learning, we have some really helpful resources to highlight to help you on that journey. Firstly, feel free to visit the OMF prayer website where you'll find five by five by five prayer leaflets infographics and really helpful prayer updates. Also, the January 2021 edition of Billions is worth a look. It's all about Cambodia with interesting articles from people who live and serve in the country full time. Also, there are some really interesting books, which Wat Ho has recommended himself. Killing Fields, Living Fields by Don Cormack. After the Heavy Rain by S. Him and Cry of the Gecko by Uwan Sela and Brian Maher. I hope that gives you enough resources to get started 
and to dig a little bit deeper into Cambodia and what God is doing there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Surveysia podcast. We hope you've learned more about sharing Jesus with people from East Asia. You can find more episodes of the Discover series by searching for the Surveysia podcast in your favourite podcast app or by visiting our website, omf.org slash uk slash podcast. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, questions or episode ideas. You can get in touch on Instagram at Podcast or by email uk.podcast at omfmail.com. Do check out the show notes for more details and links and we'll see you next episode. Goodbye.